Hi, this is Chris Sorensen. Welcome to Brookville Road Community Church Podcast. If you haven't done so already, please take a moment to check out our website at brookvilleroad.cc for all the latest information about what's going on at Community Church. I hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in becoming a wholehearted follower of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. Well, so good to worship, worship with all of you. Glad that you're here. Uh, there was a gentleman who died, and immediately he found himself standing before an angel with a clipboard. And the angel said, we're going to need to ask you some questions in order to determine your destiny. And the angel said, hey, can you ever think of a time where you acted just out of genuine compassion, like you, you had just genuine care for someone else? And the man said, yeah, yeah, I can think of a time. Uh, there was this time that I, I saw this guy beating up a, a woman, and it, he was a big guy. He's a burly guy. He had on like a leather vest, and on the back it said Hell's Angels, and the dude was ripped, and man, uh, so I, I knew I needed to do something. I didn't know the woman, but I went over, and I knocked that guy's motorcycle down, and uh, so that created a diversion. And so that got his attention. He approached me, so I, I punched him in the stomach, and I kicked him in the shin. And the lady got away. And the angel said, that's exactly what we're talking about. Can you remember exactly when that happened? And the guy said, yeah, uh, about a minute ago. <laughs> that, that was delayed. It was like a wave. We're going to talk about caring for others, uh, and so we're going to be in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 25. We're going to pick up where Pastor Andy left off last week, and we're going to talk about caring, caring for others. And in the particular passage that we're going to take a look at, uh, we have a scene of the final judgment. We have a scene of judgment in heaven, and uh, we're going to ask some questions here when we start thinking about uh, caring for others. And the first question I want to ask is, what, what's, what's my motivation? So if you're an actor, you want to know the motivation. What's my incentive? Why, why should I care for someone else? Well, the very first reason I think that we should care for someone else is the approval of God. We, we want to put a smile on our creator's face. There, there's some expectation from the one who made us. So we're looking for the approval of God. Matthew chapter 25, beginning at verse 31. This describes judgment day. This is awaiting all of us. When the Son of Man, that's Jesus, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations. So you get a picture of that. All the nations. And he will separate the people, separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He'll place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king, this is Jesus, will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And then Jesus is going to go on and he's going to explain the difference between the sheep and the goats. And the difference between the sheep and the goats is what they did and did not do. Some of them fed the hungry, they clothed the naked, they were caring for other individuals. And when we read that kind of thing, we might be tempted to think that Jesus is talking about the fact that we could be saved by our works. Are we saved by the things that we do? No, we're not saved by our works. It looks like that. But we're saved by having a genuine faith in Jesus Christ. 
When he pours his grace into our lives, we've repented of our sins and we, make, we allow Jesus to be our Lord and our Savior. There's, there's a genuineness that needs to happen, a genuine transformation. Uh, I brought with me kind of an illustration today. Uh, I brought a silver dollar. And uh, I don't know if you can, you can see that. Uh, so from your vantage point, this may look like a, a silver dollar, but if you were holding this, you would know that nah, that's not a silver dollar. Uh, it, it's phony. Like if I drop it, you, it's just, it's no good. You, you wouldn't take this for currency. Uh, you might take it to, to eat it uh, because it's actually chocolate. Uh, so... I had people give me a, a box uh, of these things after I told them I was collecting silver and gold. They're like, ha, 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 here you go. Uh, anybody want to check it out? Anyone want to see if it's real or not? Anyone looking for chocolate? Okay. Oh! Did, did we make it? Did I put your eye out? No, we're good. All right. Uh, if there's anybody else who wants to check some of those out, I, I've got a whole box. I'd be happy to share them. Now, that's phony. There needs to be a genuineness to, to our salvation. I do have a real silver dollar, right? You can tell this, this is real silver. It's, a, it's real. There's a genuineness. And that's what God is looking for in our lives. We need a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ where we've repented of our sins. We've received his finished work on the cross. We believe and trust that he rose from the dead. We allow him into our lives to transform us, to change our hearts. That's a genuine kind of faith. Just like this silver, it's pure. Now, just like a coin, any kind of coin, it has two different sides, two different images on it. And that's what it's like to be a Christian. There's two different sides to Christianity. One side would be faith, saving faith. That's the faith that we put in Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. But on the other side of the coin, is authentic works and fruit, authentic things that we are accomplishing on the part of Jesus Christ. This is the fruit of our faith, and it's authenticating the faith that we say that we have. So those two parts of who we are as believers, our relationship first and foremost with Jesus Christ that we receive by faith, not by works, but when we've received him through a genuine faith, the other side of that becomes the works that he's going to do through us because we're working from our salvation, not for our salvation. And that then results in what happens in our lives, how we're carrying ourselves, how we begin to obey the commands of God. But we're not doing just those actions to be seen by others. That, that's kind of a virtue signaling spiritually. That is just a, a show. That is pretending. However, if you say you're a Christian, those works, those good deeds, that love of Christ will flow out of your life naturally. That's what I believe is uh, James, what he's getting at in James 2 verse 14, this will be on the screen. James says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? So we, we receive the Son of God through faith, and, and then we do what he did. And when we do that, the Bible says we receive approval from God. These are good things. So some of our motivation for caring for others comes from this place of, I want my heavenly Father to be proud. I want his approval. The next thing I would say, another incentive is, we're actually ministering to Jesus we, we minister to Christ himself. So we're gonna show care to others and the incentive is I realize I'm actually not ministering necessarily to that person but to Jesus himself. Uh, so we go back to our passage here. You get to verse 35. And now Jesus is speaking to the sheep. 
He's speaking to the people on his right. He's separated people, the righteous from the unrighteous. He's talking to the righteous individuals, the sheep who've received his righteousness. He says this. He says, for I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. And so if, if we want to, to help Christ, to minister to Christ, we, we minister to his brothers, we minister to the poor, we care for them. And when we are doing that, we're ministering to Christ himself. And that's what we want to do. There, there's another passage that kind of repeats this. In the Old Testament, it says this in Proverbs 19, 17, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his deed. The poor can't repay you, but God is saying every time in my name you are helping the poor, I will repay you, and you're actually helping me. So what's our incentive? Our incentive is we're looking for the approval of our Heavenly Father. We're ministering to Jesus Christ. Another incentive is it's a positive testimony for the church. When you and I care as the body of Christ, as we go out in his name, it's a positive testimony upon the church itself. There, there are people out here in the world who will never come through the doors of our church to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus, but we can go out to them. We can go out to them and we can live the gospel in front of them and we can preach the gospel to them. The world isn't really impressed when we come along with one side of our faith and say, hey, I've got some faith. I have some belief. The world looks at that and they're like, well, good for you. That's nice. But when they see the other side of the coin, when they see the fruit of that faith and they see us loving in Jesus's name, they begin to take notice of that kind of thing. That's why 1 Peter 2.12 says this, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. So Peter's writing to Jewish believers, Jewish people who believe in Jesus, and then there's people who are Gentiles, they have not yet believed in Jesus. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. This reminds me of what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. He, he says, let your light shine before others. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and praise God. So why? Why would we care? Well, we care because we want the approval of God. We want to minister to Jesus. We're looking for that positive testimony upon the church. And then the next thing, the final thing I'll mention here is, man, it's, we, we serve and the incentive is, man, we just love it just comes from a place of genuine love for other people, genuine love. It, it's interesting, like when we're reading this parable, the sheep, the people who are righteous, they love God and they're doing all of these good things. They were surprised. They're like, Lord, when? When did, when did we do these things you're talking about? When did we see you like this and, and accomplish these things? And the reason that they're surprised is they weren't doing it for themselves. 
They weren't doing it for ego. They're not doing it for their own praise or to be patted on the back or to get uh, an attaboy way to go. It was just simply they wanted to love. They, they just served other people because that's who they were. They have Christ living in them, and it's a natural response. And that's why, just real practically, that's why I think it's going to be so hard for us to get uh, 8,760 hours recorded. Because I, I, think, I think there's going to be a number of you who are just so used to loving other people and, and initiating a spiritual conversation and caring for others, you don't even think about it. You're going to walk by these cards and you'll have forgotten what you did because it's just a natural part of your life. It's who you are. And, and you're not looking for reward. You're not, you're not looking for accolades. That's why I think it'll just be like hard to remember sometimes. And really, it's just kind of peek behind the, the curtain here. Th- those, those numbers, these things we're filling out, they're, they're not so that we could you know, praise ourselves. It's so that other people will be reminded there are people serving in Jesus' name. Like when you write something down, I don't care whether you put your name on or not, but when you write down, I did this this week, other people will say, well, I can do that. I can do that. And they'll take part. When we walk by that board and we see those numbers tick up closer and closer to 8,760, we'll be reminded every single time, that's right, I need to pay attention. I I need to make it intentional. I, I need to make sure that every encounter that I have is on purpose and I'm praying, and I'm looking for God to do something that only God could do in this situation as he pours his love into me because I've been transformed by him, and then I get to pour that out on others. So these people, these righteous, right, those of us who are going to be standing and will be to the right of Jesus, will be in this category, is going to be a smaller category than this sheet or the goats because there's a whole bunch of people, broad is the path that leads to hell. I think all of us on this side, we just realize this isn't for us. There's, there's nothing that we're looking for, for our own praise or our own ego. ego. We're, it's just altruistic. We're serving others and we're loving others because it's naturally who we are. It's how we behave. And we just want to love other people. If God has poured his love into us, how could we not let that out? How could we not do anything but love and care for every single person around us? It's something that I keep in my mind, a little phrase, I like to say, love regardless. Love regardless. It's something that my good friend James and I uh, were talking about before we went out to California, before this church sent us to California to, to plant a church there. We said, what kind of church do we want to be? What, what, what's our DNA? What, what are we about? And we said, wouldn't it be great if we, we were just people who loved other people with no strings attached? We just love regardless. Whether or not the person that we're giving a uh, you know, sandwich or a drink to or caring for and ministering to, whether or not they ever receive Jesus, we're just going to love them. Whether or not they like us back, we're just going to love them. Whether or not one day they're going to love Jesus, whether or not they even come to our church, we're just going to love them. We're going to love regardless. It's something that is happening on, on the outside of us. I even think that like when we get to heaven, like our motivation, my motivation on this side of heaven isn't like, boy, I'm storing up treasures in heaven. I'm not really interested in that. I want Jesus in me and to be transformed by him. I want him to be seen. I don't need to be seen. I don't need to be remembered. Jesus, go on up to the mountains, we just sang. Tell it from the mountaintop. Jesus is God. I want him to be seen. 
I think we'll get those rewards and I don't know about you, we'll just be like, ah, ah, these are for you. Yeah, but Jesus is building me a mansion. I'll sleep under the tree of life. I don't care. Like I'll just, I'm here. The Lord is here. He's poured his self into us. How could we not love? So, what's our motivation? Our motivation is the approval of God. We're ministering to Jesus. It's a positive testimony for the church and it comes from a heart of genuine love. Now, who do we help? Who, who do we help here? How, how do we identify these individuals? Because this is important, because there's all kinds of people in need around us, and we need to know who genuinely needs to have help. Because some people will come along and they don't really need help. They're just really good actors. I don't know if you've ever been duped before, if you've ever gotten kind of snookered uh, in helping somebody who didn't need help. I've been there before. Now, we want to help everybody, but we also want to be good stewards, good managers of the resources that God has given to us. So, so how do we do this? How do we practically do this? Who do we help? So the first one, this will probably surprise you, we are to make Christians a priority. Our priority are Christians. And you might say, well, that doesn't seem right. Uh, that, that seems selfish. That's self-serving. But think about it. If we can't love properly and care for one another properly inside the church, why would anyone want to belong? Right? If, if you have a need and you're, you're like, I'm in desperate need. I, need. I need assistance. I need help. I need care. And we say, well, you're in the church. Too bad. We only help people outside the church. No one would want to be a part of the body of Christ if we couldn't love one another properly. So our first priority is to one another, to love one another and to care for one another. That's what ministry is. Mission is outside the walls. Ministry is inside the walls. And we'll, we'll try to make that very clear as we continue to work our way through the book of 1 Corinthians when we get to chapter 12, 13, 14, and as we talk about going outside of these walls in go time and mission. So this is what it says in Galatians 6, verse 10. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially, all right, category, especially to those who are in the household of faith. We need to care for one another. We, we need to make sure that we're providing for one another's needs. You know, last week we came and we brought a whole bunch of coats for people who are out in the cold and they need a coat because it's cold outside. If you're in the body of Christ and you need a coat, man, we got to get you a coat, right? It's not just for people outside the walls. We must care for one another. When you open up the Bible and you see how the church, you read about how the church got started in the book of Acts, Acts chapter two, it tells us there, nobody had any needs. Everyone was meeting the needs of one another. They saw people who were in need financially. They're like, well, I've got some property that I could sell and then we can make sure that everybody has what they need. Uh, I heard about a church in California uh, and, and they passed the offering plate. And as they pass the offering plate, they, they have this motto. Uh, if you've been blessed, put something in. If you're in need, take something out. And I look at this crowd and I'm like, I'm not sure I would want to do that. <laughs> and you're like, well, now we know why they don't pass the plate there. I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. We have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to care for one another. This needs to be a loving body. I'll tell you what, 
If, if we continually grow in our love for one another as Jesus is pouring his love in his heart for us and we truly begin to love one another and we're working through all the drama that that church family and family always has through dysfunction and you know disappointment and discouragement and we're loving one another and we have harmony and we're loving each other, people will knock down the door to get in this place. You'd have to put barbed wire up to keep people out from coming into a place where they're loving like Jesus to one another. Who do we help? Our first priority is to help believers. Who are we to help? Next one, this might throw you for a loop too. We're to help the needy, not the lazy. Some people need to get to the place where they're so hungry that they'd be motivated to work. And I know that this doesn't jive with our, our current culture, right? In the current culture, um, it, it's really like, no, you, I, I'm owed something. I, I just need to be helped no matter what. We have a very idle society right now, uh, tough for a little while there for employers, maybe still, to find people who want to work and then when they work, actually work. And part of it is, is this undercurrent of basically what's being taught in our culture and highlighted uh, through uh, social Marxism. And I know this isn't like a, a political place for us, just politically, we're here spiritually, but the Bible speaks to this. Because in, in a social Marxist kind of thing, it's, look, I, I don't have individual responsibility. This isn't on me, it's on you, help me. And, and maybe you've come in and you're like, well, I really think socialism's a whole lot better than capitalism. And I'd love to chat with you because this really isn't the time to do it. And I've got some stats and I can share some things. But I think we could agree with one thing. If you say capitalism isn't all that great uh, because there's just you know, uh, bad things that happen uh, through capitalism, I would agree with you. And I would also say it happens in socialism so we can both agree. Anytime that mankind gets their hands on an ism, a system, we mess it up because we're sinful. And until we get Christ seated and ruling all nations, then, then we'll, we'll enjoy that. But I've got some stats to share with you on the social Marxism side of things and some encouragement that we don't really need to necessarily be pushed down and dependent when God calls us to freedom. So I'm going to read a verse that Karl Marx hates, all right? So that, I just let in with all that, just if you know anything about Marxism. Uh, First, 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 10. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. I, I, the government will pay me not to work. I'm going to sit in the basement. I'm going to play games and be a busybody, get on social media and be a troll and start fights. Now, such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. We tend to think sometimes that work, that's just part of the fall. Like work, work is bad. Work was given before the fall. Work was given in, 2 Corinthians, or in Genesis 2.15 where we find there that God put the man in the garden to work. And it's good. It was later after the fall that there'd be hard work and thistles and thorns and all this stuff. But work is a good thing. 
Work is something that God has made us to do and to enjoy. Like when God made the creation, he created things. He was working on the seventh day he rested. And then he's like, here, now you go. (laughs) You work, right? You get to work. You be creative and you recreate, recreate, and go ahead and procreate, which makes more work when you have kids, right? But all of these things, he's built on the inside of us and work is good, There is joy in actually accomplishing as God has poured into us this opportunity to take part in moving forward his kingdom. And in fact, as we work, it's mission. Every opportunity that we have to exalt God in what we do in our nine to five, whatever he calls us to do, it is an opportunity to glorify God, to give him our very best and to be productive. Get in there, man. Get your hands dirty. Get a little bit of sweat and accomplish and conquer in Jesus' name. That's for us to do. So as as we're talking about who to help, Just handing out money to people who can work, that's important, who can work but won't, that's robbing them of dignity, robbing them of the joy of how they've been made, why they've been made in part. So sometimes the the best thing to do is to help people financially with financial counseling, to help people with job opportunities, right? We 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 need some businessmen and businesswomen who create jobs, and allow people to work, to create job training, to help people get out of addiction if that's what's holding them back, to encourage and to motivate. That's what we need. Now, I'm not talking about those who can't work. We know there are people who cannot work. It's just impossible for them to work. So we have a responsibility. Unfortunately, the government took that from us many times, right? They're like, hey, we'll do the church's job, we'll just tax you more, and we'll take care of everybody. Well, that's the church's job. And yet we still do it. Stat I saw uh, from this last year, Christians gave more to charity than the U.S. government did. That's, that's is we still do it. Why? It's part of our DNA. It's who we are. So we look for those who are in need and we care. So you know, how, you know, what, what do we give them? What would he give somebody who's in need? Well, I think we need to give necessities, not just luxuries. Jesus wasn't saying, well, uh, I was eating a Big Mac, but you came along and gave me a steak, right? Or, you know, I had just generic clothes, a generic cloak, and you brought me designer jeans and great kicks. We need to give necessities, not luxuries. How do we do that? Where does that come from? Well, it happens in two places in Christendom. It happens in the church, and it happens through Christian individuals. Like in the church, as we care for one another, right here, we, we have a fund that's set aside. It's called the Good Samaritan Fund. And it's four people in our church who need help. And that happens sometimes. There's an emergency need. We learn about it, and then we we take care and and help with that bill. We don't give people money directly, but we take care of that bill. And there's a whole checks and balances of how we do that kind of thing. Every time you, you return to the Lord and you give here, I know you don't see it, and we don't talk about it much, but you're helping one another because we have set aside funds to do that. We help one another even in the way that we we have our small groups that are very intentional about helping one another. If you've got to move, some of you have had your small group move you, or maybe you've helped another small group person uh, move to a new home. You're providing meals when when you're not feeling well. You're providing childcare. And then individually, 
We, we find this all over the place. When you start talking to people about what they're doing, so many of you are working in food pantries, like not just one, like food pantries, and, and helping the, the homeless at, at Wheeler Mission. And last week, we learned about God's open arms, and they talked about the fact that they needed some coats, and, and uh, you said, I'll take a coat that I have off my back, and I'll give it. Uh, I want to tell you, we received over 400 coats last week, which... That was crazy. I didn't think we'd like reach 400 coats, but that's just out of a heart of, of generosity. So many of you are, are serving in, in different ways within our community and serving the homeless. And uh, we've, we've been trying to take care of some African widows when we learned about uh, one of our partners, Mike Henderson, how he's trying to help these African widows. And so some of you, you just, you bought sewing machines for them. It, you, you, just, you paid for that. You bought sewing machines for some of these African women so that they can have a job. Last week, I went to the seniors' lunch and they found out that we're, they need cows, like these ladies need a cow for milk and produce and doing all these different kinds of things. And so people were buying cows. They're like, I'll buy a cow. Well, I'll buy a cow. There were cows flying everywhere. Just like, oh, I'll get a cow. Everybody gets a cow, right? So that's just, we, we care. And we care about others and beginning to, to enter in to, to help and to minister and to care. And we buy school supplies and Operation Christmas Child. All that's individual. We just provide a place to do that. Some of you are sponsoring children. You've done that for years. There are all kinds of different sponsorship ministries. So we care. We do it in the church and we, we do it individually. Uh, but our goal isn't just simply to pass out items. We have a responsibility. We have a spiritual responsibility, not just to provide for physical help. That's why I was so blessed when we heard about God's open arms last week. It wasn't just, hey, there's some cold people and hungry people. They said, we, we give them the gospel. We share Jesus with them. We give a message. We're, we're looking to take care of not just their physical need, but their spiritual need. It's Jesus who said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And if we fail to give the gospel, then we turn ourselves into just another social agency. We're not a social agency. I'm not a social worker. I'm a minister of the gospel. We're not a social agency. We're the church. We stand apart. We have, we have a message that isn't just a social gospel. This is the message of life that we hold. And giving shelter and money and clothing and, and food without caring enough to give the truth of who Jesus Christ is, that's not loving. It's not loving just to pass things out. There may be times where we have to meet a physical need first, right? Hurricane comes through, tornado, we take care of those needs. But if all we ever do is just simply pass out items, then we are dropping the ball. We are dropping the ball on sharing the task that we've been given, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Caring, that's only one side of the coin. Any, anybody can care. Good people can care. It doesn't make you a Christian. A relationship with Jesus Christ, a personal relationship with him does. And people need to know that. And it's not loving to withhold it. Don't forget about this parable. This parable talks about a final judgment. There are people who are going to heaven and there are people who are going to hell, and they need to know. They need to be warned. 
You're not gonna know the good news unless you know the bad news. And the bad news is, you're a sinner. I'm a sinner. We need a savior. The parable goes on, verse 41. Then Jesus will say to those on his left, these are the goats, these are the unrighteous, depart from me. Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to you? Lord, if we'd known it was you, oh, we would have done something for you. Then he will answer them, saying, Truly, I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Friends, we're not just simply saved by the things that we do or do not do. We are saved as a result of genuine faith in Jesus Christ. It's a coin that has two sides. A saving faith placed in the one who was sent by your creator out of love, who saw you in your desperate need of sin, unable to pull yourself up and pull yourself out of the muck and mire of your own sin. So Jesus moves in your direction out of a heart of care to go to a cross, to bleed and die on that cross, to cover over your sin so that it could be wiped away. A sacrifice would need to be made, a sacrifice that you could never make on your own perfectly, but only a perfect God could. He bled, he died, making the final payment that needed to be made on your behalf. He was buried in a tomb, and on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead, attesting to the fact that he is God. And he conquers hell, death, the grave, sin. And when we receive him by faith, that salvation and new life, that's ours. That's the first side of the coin. And for some of you in this room, you've not done that yet. You like the idea of Christianity. You like the idea of heaven you have yet to submit to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And you can do that today. And then for those of us who have submitted to him, made him Lord and Savior, and it doesn't stop there. There's a whole world in need around us. And God has seen fit to place you and me in this world right now with all of the needs all around us. And it's about time to care. It's about time to care as Jesus cares, as he lives his life through us. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the area and are looking for a church home, we'd love for you to join us at one of our weekend worship services. For service times and information about BRCC, be sure to check out brookvilleroad.cc. God bless you.